Entrepreneurs, business leaders, and professionals who seek excellence. Bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builders Show on the Business Builders Media Network. Here's Marty Wolf. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf, the show for entrepreneurs, business owners, and business leaders. I'm Marty Wolf, your host for the Business Builders Show, which is a production of Business Builders Media. You can get all our shows and podcasts from many more great podcasters at businessbuildersmedia.com, where we give entrepreneurs and business leaders the tools they need to have their voices heard. That's businessbuildersmedia.com. My guest with me today is Kent Billingsley. Hi, Kent. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you, Marty. Well, I read your book, which is fantastic. But let's start this way. Uh, As our business audience knows, thousands of businesses are actually closing. But it's not because of COVID-19, I don't think. It's because they never... They, because they were never effectively designed to grow revenue. Enter our guest, Kent Billingsley. He's known as America's revenue growth architect, an international expert helping leaders all over the world scale their growth and profitability using the resources they already have. Now, for the first time, his proprietary methods and formulas are captured in this book that we're going to talk about, Entrepreneur to Millionaire. How to Build a Profitable, Fast-Growth Company and Become Embarrassingly Rich Doing It. Ken shows how every entrepreneur can double and triple their sales, revenue, and profits without spending another dollar on marketing, hiring another salesperson, or wasting another hour. Hey, folks, if you listen to that introduction, we have your attention. So, Ken, again, welcome to the show. I believe that the overall theme of your work in this book is the difference between what you call more from more or more from less. Explain the difference for me. Uh, Yes, Marty. And um, it's uh, interesting. I I actually started doing this kind of work, what we call business optimization, almost 25 years ago. So I guess that really dates me. But uh, (laughs) I I was working in a large corporation and the leaders had asked me to form a team and look internally at the business units and, and come back and and tell them what did what did we find? What did my team find? And and were there ways to achieve more consistent growth, more profitable growth? Um, start uh, losing less to uh, new competitors, and um, and 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 not spend more money doing things. And uh, after a few years in the different business units with my team, we started to see patterns and trends. It, and the big one was the the mantra and the model was spend money to make money. It, it was for growth's sake, uh, add bodies, add people, uh, spend money, do more marketing, do more sales, just throw money at the wall to achieve growth. And and what we realized and what we found was there is so much growth potential uh, in, in those business units and, and the thousands of companies I've worked with since. There is so much growth potential that, that you actually don't need to spend more money or hire more bodies to to tap it. You just need to understand how to do it. And 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 so I, I called that more for more. And then uh, through the crisis, the tech crisis, the uh, 
um, tech wreck, the, the 2007 financial crisis, and now this COVID crisis, they've, everybody switched, and now they're in this um, more from less. And, and that's a perverse way of attempting this model. And, and basically, it's grinding people out. It's cutting costs. Uh, it's abusing vendor relationships and, and squeezing even clients. Uh, and now we've moved to this more for more and, uh, and more from less. Mm-hmm. What they should learn and what they need to know, which could have helped thousands of companies get through this COVID crisis, is how do you actually get more from less in a positive way? How do you scale your revenue and profits against existing resources? And I'll, I'll just take a quick second to explain that. Mm-hmm. That means most companies don't need more clients. They need fewer clients that pay more. They, they don't need more leads. They need better quality leads of better clients who will pay for value. Uh, they don't need to make more sales calls or more proposals. They need to lose less. And so um, when you can learn the concept of more from less in a positive way and you start to design your company and you start to think this way and you start to follow a roadmap that way, uh, we have clients that have literally doubled the size of their business overnight after one prospect meeting without mm-hmm. incurring any more cost by using these principles. Well, it got my attention uh, when I first heard about this. It certainly uh, uh, got my attention in the sense that um, I think it's a knee-jerk reaction for most businesses, Kent, that they they think to again they follow what you've said. You need to make money. To, you need to spend money to make money, and, and you're questioning that. And I want to ask you this question because you point this out in the book. I, I want clar- uh, clarity on this also. You did not name your firm the Business Growth Company. You call your firm the revenue growth company. What's the difference? Yeah, and this is uh, I, I, the times I've presented this to teams around the world. This has been one of the biggest ahas for them. And and the way I define business growth or see business growth is you're getting bigger. You're adding more clients. You're adding more contracts. You're adding more products and services. You're adding more locations. You're adding adding more things, including uh, more more bodies, more headcount more cost, more infrastructure, more management, more bureaucracy, more stress. Um, and so you're bigger, maybe better a little bit, but you're not making all the money that you could and should because when you add a good thing, a, another client, you add a bad thing, more support, more infrastructure. And, 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 and we've been drilled that, well, that's just the way business is. You, you just have to take the good with the bad. And, and, and I'm saying now for two and a half decades, no, you don't. <laughs> Not yeah. at all. Matter of fact, when you understand the real principles of revenue growth, you're scaling your revenue against your assets, this more from less. Not only can your company get much bigger, but but you actually create wealth inside your company. And, and wealth means you're generating more sales, revenue, and profits without increasing cost, adding headcount, or working more hours doing it. That gap is what's helping a lot of our clients weather these horrible storms that COVID could go on for years. Well, you don't you don't survive that by having enough cash cash on hand for a few months. You you've got to create actual wealth inside your company. Uh, you've got to have working capital, consistent cash flow, all these things uh, to weather these storms in the good times and the bad times. And 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 so. I early on said, wow, the focus seems to be on getting bigger, growing a business versus scaling revenues against assets and doing what I call creating wealth. 
and 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 it's two different paths, two completely different philosophies. Those that are right now on this growing their business to get bigger path, it is flawed. It'll never optimize wealth. They'll never make all the profits and net income that they could and should from the value of their products and services. So my guest is uh, Kent Billingsley. His website is revenuegrowthcompany.com. That's correct, right, Kent? Yes, it is. Uh-huh. Revenuegrowthcompany.com. So as we're speaking, well, why don't you wait to listen carefully and then go on that website and you can learn more. So it seems to me you wrote the guidebook, the uh, roadmap. Um, you are sharing your secrets in this book. It is very detailed. I was impressed with the detail. You are definitely sharing the secret sauce. Um, and so you talk about four phases. I'm going to read those four phases, and I'm going to ask you to kind of give us a quick overview of each one of them. And then if it's okay with you, I want to drill down a little bit on each one of them. So here are the four phases that you talk about in your book, and I know you share with clients. They are, one, revenue ready. Two, market ready. Three, go to market. Four, own the market. Those are the four phases. Am I correct, Kent? Yes. Uh-huh. Give me the uh, quick overview of revenue ready. And again, we'll, uh, we'll drill down on a little bit. So what do you mean by revenue ready? Yeah, let me let me start with where my what causes my phone to ring and then what triggered revenue ready. In, in almost all cases, uh, I'm contacted or somebody on my team because uh, a business, a CEO, an entrepreneur isn't getting the growth, the sales, the revenue and profits that they think they could and should. And, and, and so we get the call and it's almost always come in and fix my sales organization, retweak my, my marketing models, marketing organization, um, fix my salespeople. And, and, and so um, that, that's their uh, perspective. That's their belief. And, and, and then when I go inside and I actually look at the company, uh, I'll, I'll turn to the leader or the executive team and say, you know what, um, the root cause of your sales and, and growth problems is not in sales and marketing. It's in other parts of the organization. And not only that, you were actually never ready to optimize your marketing and sales. You were, you were never ready to produce all the new clients and cash and contracts that you could and should um, because you went to war without being prepared. You went to war without really wiring together the, the, the right design and architecture for your business. Um, and, 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 and so I have to go back and say, so let me walk you through and let me help you understand the phases uh, of an optimized business or what we call optimized wealth. The classic phases were uh, startup, growth, maturity, decline. That, that's kind of the life cycle of a business. And that's what we're taught in the business schools and things like that. That's it, a nice model. Um, but it never teaches you how to make a lot of money with your mm-hmm. business. So, mm-hmm. so I, I created this years back and I said, well, first of all, the, the reason uh, that, that so many salespeople fail, 80% of salespeople will never cover the cost and 67% of, of marketing expenses uh, are activities that never produce uh, leads or high quality demand. The reason for that is you were never market ready. Mm. And the reason mm. you were never market ready is because you were never re- revenue ready. And, and revenue ready means that, uh, this is the, the first phase, it, it means that you've uh, You've actually thought through what is truly broken in the marketplace and, and, and what's the uh, angle to fix the problem or exploit the opportunity that no one else is really doing. 
Mm-hmm. And, and, and I call this a fundamental marketplace problem as part of being revenue ready. And then the key here, and, and this is why these parts are, create a roadmap and they're sequential. Once you understand the fundamental marketplace problem, what's the exact or perfect model that can help deliver the greatest value and make the most money doing it? And then the, the third part of revenue ready is what are all the potential revenue streams? And then what are the Goldilocks revenue streams? What are those three mm-hmm. to five? They're going to produce the, the, the greatest uh, cash flow and revenue uh, within your model construct to solve the problem and deliver great value to the marketplace. That's what's called revenue ready. And, I, and, and, and the overview of that phase is validation of why you should exist, why people should come to you and no one else and how you can make the most money doing it. Kent, and you point out in the book and confirm this for me that these are sequential. You can't do one ahead of the other. You you can't own the market unless you're revenue ready, market ready, and if you have a plan to, to go to market, correct? So it's it's very important and you keep coming back to that point is that, you know, you, you these are sequential, you know, revenue ready. And part of the revenue ready, um, you talk about uh, business modeling. T- tell me more about that. What do you mean by that? Yeah, the, the business model is how you design uh, the business, how, you, how you're going to market, sell, deliver, and support. How, how, what model are you going to use uh, to, deliver, to deliver the greatest value in a different or unique way than anyone else? And in the book, I actually talked through uh, uh, four pizza examples of companies yeah. coming into the market later, looking at the market and saying, hmm, you know what? Uh, pizza Hut has the, the best standalone pizza stores that you go in and sit and eat. Papa John says, we'll stay in your pajamas. We'll bring it to you. Uh, and, and then, Pop, um, excuse me, uh, Domino's said, stay in your pajamas. We'll yeah. bring it to you. Then Papa John said, you know, they'll bring it to you and you can go eat it in the store, but it's not that good. We're going to bring you the <laughs> freshest ingredients. And so right. um, it's so critical. I get a lot of feedback. People love a reading about that because they can really visualize sure. this is how you see a market, but this is how you find the angle that's not being satisfied, satiated, or served. This is where you can enter. And, and even in markets that are in, incredibly saturated with competitors, not, not just with cheese and the pizza market, but you can also enter and make a lot of money uh, in these markets. We, we're taught, you know, I, I love uh, red ocean, blue ocean, go to where nobody is. But you know what? There's a lot of money to be made <laughs> where people are yeah. because the markets are so underserved. Yeah. Um, well, let, let me back up because, and you said it uh, earlier, you, you said fundamental marketplace or fundamental, fundamental marketplace problem or FMP. Maybe we should spend a minute or two on that. Yeah. And, and, uh, I go through lots of examples in the book from, you know, the seventies with, uh, Apple computers. And I, and I, and I try to use all kinds of different examples from uh, even Ely Calloway and, and the big Bertha driver. I, I share a lot of examples because what I found working with companies is they, they started for whatever reason, but as time progressed, they're not sure. And, and too many times executives on the teams aren't clear what problem they're really solving. Mm-hmm. And so I said, you know what, uh, the, the challenges you're having today, the growth challenges, the turnover challenges, the, the low profitability, all these challenges will not be solved in the room we're in today. Mm-hmm. The problem to be solved is on the outside. And, and I point to the outside and I point to other buildings. And I said, the problem is out there. And when we understand how to how to frame that problem properly in, in a fundamental marketplace problem, th- that's where, how we unlock the, the wealth and riches. Because 
you, you might be solving the problem or you might not. I, maybe 50% of the time we have to reframe what we're doing or we definitely have to reframe the messaging, the packaging and the marketing to better align with what's being solved in the marketplace. And, and it's interesting. Um, I, I'll give you a, a quick example of this in, in my industry, uh, the consulting, training, coaching industries. Um, the problem that's being solved today is there's the, the, um, the, the buyer takes all the risk. In other words, if you hire a consultant, a trainer or a coach, um, there's no guarantees of results. It's just you paid the money. You hope you get the results. I'm going to change that this year. I'm going to deliver uh, highly structured content uh, rich programs that guarantee the results are money back Be- because that's wow. a fundamental marketplace problem. Well, that certainly is. And people want to go to revenuegrowthcompany.com to learn more. And by the way, uh, his book, Kurt's book is again, the title is entrepreneur to millionaire, how to build a highly profitable, fast growth company and become embarrassingly rich doing it. So here, the next uh, spot I know is a real problem for a lot of people. And you talk about this in the market ready segment where you talk about targeting your sweet spot or coming up with your perfect client profile. Talk to us about that. Yeah, this is this is the one area I, I literally uh, fix or calibrate recalibrate in every single company, whether it's a startup getting off the ground or it's a, a multi-billion dollar company. And the key here is to actually understand uh, who your best buyer is, who, who is your perfect client profile, not 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 who's your prospect or who are you targeting, but who is your perfect client profile? Who, who is that company out there or that individual that um, will really absorb your value proposition? They won't buy on price. They'll pay on time. They'll handle their responsibilities. And I can just go down the line. Every company, if you've been in business six months, you have one of those uh, customers or clients that you go, wow, we just love them. Mm-hmm. And my question is always, well, why don't you go get more? <laughs> well, you know, we don't always get them. You know, we kind of get, you know, so-and-so and then we have to take this. I said, yeah, that's because you accept that. That's because your business is designed to accept what you can get versus designed to go get who you want. Mm-hmm. And, and and so in that perfect client profile, there's really three parts that are so critical and you have to go through all three. It's the demographics of the the facts of of who they are and then the psychographics of uh, how they feel and why they buy and how they make decisions. And then the third part are the characteristics. What what makes them um, a perfect client? Is it is it the fact that they do handle their responsibilities? Is it the fact that they pay on time? What what are those things that drive you nuts of the clients you don't like? And and then make those the characteristics of the clients you want. And, that, and, and so everything, after you've worked through revenue ready and you've got a model and you've got revenue streams and you, you've isolated a a, a, a problem or opportunity to solve in the marketplace. The next step is then, all right, within that marketplace, within the scope of scale, how do you segment? How do you stratify? How do you subsegment down to that individual? And 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 if it's a consumer, uh, you know, who who is the the buyer and why? And if it's a corporation, what's the title and role that you must target? Because Targeting triggers every decision after that, how you package, how you message, how you market, mm-hmm. how you sell. Every, mm-hmm. Everything is a ripple effect from your perfect client profile. And, mm-hmm. and, and so many times executive teams ask me, they're like, well, should we do this or should we do this? And my answer is always, what does your perfect client profile say? Yeah, 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 really. And it's, it was years ago. 
uh, 25 years. You and I can talk about that same timeline. Uh, it may have been e- harder, I should say. It may have been harder to do that. With all the information out there today, it is somewhat easier as long as you have the discipline to do it. Um, probably, I guess, Kent, people may get comfortable until they see that profits or revenue dropping. And that's probably maybe when they call you, I suppose. Um, but it is easier, is it not, with the data or data today to, so, to find that perfect client profile? You would think so, but it but it's just counter. And and so when we didn't have the all the platforms and all the methods of communication, we used to actually talk to people. Interesting. And, and, Interesting. and today I, I, I'll go on the small companies and the big companies and they're doing these surveys and they're doing these uh, post call, uh, you know, give us a four or five or whatever uh, types of uh, quizzes or analysis of how the call went, and 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 when I ask, well, what did your perfect client profile say? <laughs> they can't tell me that. Well, the survey told us that four point yeah, three. Good point. Good point. And, and I'm I'm saying, well, here's the problem. I, I, and I'm <laughs> I've been a CMO of a billion dollar tech services company. Um, I, I'm I'm pretty good at surveys, understanding surveys. There. There are almost there is almost no way I can create surveys today to actually capture how people feel. I mean, I can, but it's really difficult because people don't want to do surveys anymore. They're, they're surveys. They don't great. want to answer questions. Yep. They don't want to fill out a matrix. They don't want to spend two minutes after the call to, right to answer a few questions about the call. So you would think with all the technology and, and all the digital things we could do, we would be smarter. And it's just the opposite. We're dumber. Of, of why our, our, our perfect client profile buys, who they are, what are their emotions. And, and here to back this up and to further prove this, it's easy to stratify demographics. Okay, the size of the business, size of the company, the gender, married or not. I mean, the, the, the demographics are pretty easy. And like using Facebook, you can find the demographics. But when I ask teams to stratify the psychographics, t- walk me through the emotions and the feelings and why people buy and stratify them, number one, number two, number three. Teams, they they all take a break. They leave the room. <laughs> so so that's why Kent's on the Business Builder Show, getting his information. <laughs> and, and that's where the gold is. That's yeah, that's where the where gold is. The You're right. Is. The money is not in social media and, 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 and digital marketing efforts and SEO. The money will be unlocked when you truly understand how your buyer, who your perfect client profile buyer is and how they think and how they feel. RevenueGrowthCompany.com. Look it up. Uh, we're uh, continuing our discussion uh, under the in the go-to-market phase. I'd like for you to talk a little bit more about partnering. Partnering. I I, I love that section. Um, so, tell me more about that in terms of go-to-market. Yeah, yes, in, in, in that in that section, typically go-to-market is thought of how we market and sell, and, and those are two of the chapters in the book, and and those are uh, misaligned today in almost all companies. Um, but the partnering side of this, and, and uh, it, it's interesting, I, when I'm working with manufacturing companies, they get this because they need distributors and, and, and sometimes contractors uh, they, or, or, uh, or, or service companies, uh, uh, they need uh, GCs and, and, and partners mm-hmm. like that. But every company should have a handful of strategic and tactical partners. They should have formal relationships and they should have informal relationships. And what I mean by that are having partners uh, who are where you want to be. They're in mm-hmm. the boardroom. Uh, they've got a database of customers that you can use. They just they represent 
a, a database and, and, a, and a pool of, of people that you're trying to get to. And all you're, all you're doing is leveraging your value with their value. In mm-hmm. some cases, uh, they're opening doors for you. In other cases, you're opening the doors together. And in other cases, you're opening doors for them. But it's these partnerships that uh, I, I helped take a, a public software company from $2 million to $38 million in two and a half years. When I, when I walked through the doors, 90% was coming through direct or organic sales and salespeople. By the end of that two and a half years, 90% was coming through strategic partners such as IBM, uh, mm. uh, Accenture, and, and Cisco. Mm. And, 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 and so two things happen. One of them is through strategic partnerships, you can scale uh, your sales revenue and profit so much faster, but your cost of sales in some cases is zero. Zero. That's how you create business wealth. Not not by operating in the money shredder, which is sales and marketing, but but by generating <laughs> and creating demand that doesn't cost you a dollar to do it. Well, that epitomizes getting more from less, having yes. the right partners, right? <laughs> like every chapter, it's here's how you do it. But see, here's here's what's so interesting is uh, because people come back to me all the time. Oh, we've tried partner. We've wanted to be a partner. It's never really worked. It's never set up. I said, well, yeah, you weren't market ready or revenue ready. Yeah, yeah. You, you, make you can't point. articulate your own value proposition. How do you expect a partner to do it for you? So we've followed the guidelines. We've done everything. And uh, final phase is uh, what we'd all like to do, and that is to own the market. And you talk about blueprinting optimization. That's a Kind of fancy title. What do, what do you mean by blueprinting optimization? Yeah, talk to me and, about that, man. <laughs> yeah, let me. And, and and this is the chapter for my clients that are five million, ten million, a hundred million, even a billion, and they're saying, "Well, what's the next level? If we if we've got teams working on the targeting, the packaging, the messaging, the marketing, the selling, where do we go from here?" And and my point is, you must continuously be evolving and adapting to the fundamental marketplace problem. You must constantly be you must constantly be changing and being ready for how the, the the world is shifting and changing so rapidly, and 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 when I walk in large corporations, they have uh, change initiatives, and and it seems like I don't know if there's a law, but if you're less than a hundred million dollars, you can't have a change initiative. You can't be working on transforming part of your business, and I don't understand why. And, and that is why, and, and I use some examples in the book. Of, I talk about restaurants because everybody eats at a restaurant. And, and in those restaurants that two and three years ago were working on catering and developing their catering business, or they, were, they were, uh, had partnered with the uh, delivery services, or they, uh, they changed their operations to make uh, takeout streamlined, um, they, they were, they're surviving, and, and some of them are even thriving through this mm-hmm. crisis. Where, the, where those restaurants that uh, had a single revenue stream walk in traffic and the government says, well, you have to shut down to 25 percent, they've died. They, they've been shot and, and, and will we'll never open again. And, and so my point is every business should have some sort of change initiative. They should be blueprinting their future. Uh, it's so interesting. My book today is, is I, I think, as on point as ever on, on how to make more from less. But this book, I started writing this probably 18 years ago. I've been validating it all those years, and I committed to producing it three years ago. Mm. That, that's part of my transformation. And so um, I just uh, I, I feel so bad for companies uh, that, are, that are struggling or dying and, and, uh, and can't be helped. But, but those that are surviving and, and, and even thriving, they need to be transforming today and relooking at their uh, business model, their revenue streams. Um, their existing FMP, FMPs evolve, 
once once a problem's solved, then there's a new opportunity. And and if you're mm-hmm. trying to come along and solve that, you're a you're a me too company, and there's no uh, unique value. Mm. But uh, blueprinting optimization is say you have to continuously blueprint. Not not and this isn't organizational design or strategic planning. This is actually a, a change initiative to prepare for the future. And the clients we have today, uh, we talk about that in our in our. Uh, our meetings. I've got I've got clients that are fighting through this crisis. I've got some clients that are doing really well because of the crisis. But but we're all in those conversations of yeah, that's this year. What yeah. are we going to do in two years, three years, and five years? Now, that's not the planning horizon. That's the change initiative that says how do we stay prepared forever to optimize forever, not grow and get bigger. That that's the business growth path. But how do we optimize revenue growth for the next five to ten years? Yeah, and you talk about um, this is probably a whole hour and a half, but uh, give give me uh, we we both hear we all hear about a talent optimization or lack of talent or not enough talent or we can't find talent. Talent is on just about everybody's brain. You have a unique perspective, uh, like a lot of things, and uh, that we've talked about today. So give me your your thoughts on talent talent optimization. Yeah, and it starts with, uh, I, I offer a premise that, that shocks a lot of people, but the premise is uh, you should have and only hire talent at every level of your company. And, and the first pushback is, well, I don't, I don't want a talent at the front desk, or I don't want a talent, or you, you know, I don't want to overpay my people. I, yes, you do. Yes, yes, you do. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what I mean by talent is those people that can see and do things that others can't. Every company has a few of those people. And again, I say, why isn't your company filled with them? What, why, why don't we have talent at every level? And, 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 and is there a reason why? And then I remember one meeting, um, I was talking to a couple of partners, we were at lunch and the one made the comment, well, you know, we need, we need some uh, Indians to go along with the chiefs. And, and I looked at him, I said, I'm, I'm not sure we're going to be able to work together because that's <laughs> one of my core philosophies mm-hmm. um, that, that if you want to build big teams, and I came through the corporate ranks that sometimes you were measured or got bigger budgets by the more people you had. And I could never understand that. And I, and I thought, mm-hmm. why? Uh, yeah. that, that just costs more money. Uh, and now I've got all these people. And, and then one of my mentors said one time, well, because you got to be prepared to when you have to cut 10%, you know who to let go. And I thought, wow. oh my God, this is, wow. so, this is so backwards. Yeah, really? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I believe in, 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 in building high-powered, Small teams, effective teams of, of talent. Now, here's the other side. There's a there's a dark side of talent. People get upset too. Well, I've, we've got a talent, but he's hard to deal with. Or we've got a talent, and gosh, if he leaves us, we're going to die. And I said, that's not a talent. That's a turkey. When you have when you have someone when you have someone uh, that puts your company at risk, or they put themselves first, that's not a talent. And that's you don't correct. want that. And, and you need to get rid of them be, because your business and, and maybe your career or other employees, you're all at risk. Yeah. And, 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 and I've, I've hired those people that came through as talents and turned into turkeys and I let them go. I didn't hesitate. I had to send a message that, you know what, I won't tolerate this. No one is bigger than the company and no one is better than the team. Yeah, I'm total agreement. So my guest has been Kent Bellingsley. His company or the website to go to learn more is revenuegrowthcompany.com, revenuegrowthcompany.com. His book, which, as you can tell, is outstanding just from this conversation, is Entrepreneur to Millionaire, How to Build a Highly Profitable Fast Growth Company and Become Embarrassingly Rich Doing It. So we are wrapping up, Kent, but uh, 
was there something I did not ask you, or is there something that you would like to close this conversation with? Yeah, I think one of the most important things and what I've really been seeing the last five years is the CEO or the business owner is the entrepreneur and, and the rest of the people are workers and they're resistant to being entrepreneurial and, and they're off doing their own things. And now that so many people are remote, they're just they're, they're just doing their job and playing their role. And, and you cannot optimize wealth. If, if everyone's just kind of doing their own thing, everyone needs to be on this roadmap. Everyone needs to not see themselves as an entrepreneur, but entrepreneurial. And they need to play a role in creating and optimizing wealth for your business. And they need to be on the same roadmap. And, and those companies that do that are just absolutely um, winning in this in this terrible crisis. But they're also um, optimizing their their cash and profits while they're adding even more value to their clients. You actually say in the book, um, you should have your employees, your teams read this book before you actually launch. I would uh, suggest that also. So entrepreneur to millionaire, how to build a highly profitable, fast growth company and become embarrassingly rich doing it. Kent Billingsley, thank you for so much for being a guest on the Business Builder Show. Oh, thank you, Marty. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to The Business Builders Show on the Business Builders Media Network. Find all our shows and many other great podcasts at businessbuildersmedia.com. That's businessbuildersmedia.com.